0: In the first reading we hear this morning of the Acts of the Apostles, we hear about the beginnings of the Christian church. And we hear of Peter and John and the other disciples who are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and curing people in his name. And it doesn't take very long before Peter and John and the other disciples are brought before the leaders of the Jewish people, the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. And they are told to stop causing trouble. They're told you're causing division. They're told that you're, you're causing heartache among the people, spreading these rumors. And Peter and John and the disciples tell the Sanhedrin and the other Jews there, they say, this Jesus whom you crucified on the cross, who you buried, he's risen from the dead. He is the Son of God, he is the Messiah, the one whom the prophets foretold, the one whom we've been waiting for. And the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees tell Peter and John and the other apostles, they say, stop talking about him. Don't mention his name again. Peter says something awesome. He says, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. And so they go out and they continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that of the 12 apostles, after Judas hung himself, there's 11 remaining. And 10 of those 11 give their life. They die a martyr's death for love of Jesus Christ. Because they wouldn't shut up. Because they obeyed God rather than men. John the evangelist, well, they tried to kill him, they tried to boil him, but he survived. So they finally exiled him to the island of Patmos in modern day Greece. But the others, they shed their blood because they were obeying God rather than men. I think that this is a great example and a great witness for us, not just the apostles and not just the the thousands and thousands of martyrs since then, but even today too, we have people who are obeying God rather than men. And it is important for us to follow after their footsteps in proclaiming the gospel and being courageous and fearless in doing so even when people say, you know, you shouldn't really talk about Jesus here in the workplace. Or you shouldn't bring up Jesus in your family gatherings because you know, Aunt Sally Sue, you know, she's, she's not really into Jesus like you are. Or you shouldn't talk about it at your, your social gatherings or whatever. And the question is, who are we going to obey? God or man? You know, if if Peter and John and the other apostles obeyed the Sanhedrin, they obeyed the Pharisees in the the scripture passage which we just heard, think about the consequences of that. If they said, you know, Pharisees, you're right, you're right, we're just going to just keep this to ourselves, the church would have fizzled out right then and there. That's it. And our world would be very different today. You just have to think about the many ways in which Christianity has transformed society. We'd be missing a lot of beautiful music, a lot of beautiful art, uh, philosophy, mathematics, science, just to name a few. The church has transformed this world in so many positive ways and none of that would have taken place and we wouldn't be here today. Perhaps we wouldn't even be alive. I mean, this world would be such a dark place without hope of forgiveness of sins and eternal life someday. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I'm glad that Peter and John and the other apostles, they they didn't pay any attention to the Pharisees, to the Sanhedrin. And they just continued proclaiming Jesus Christ crucified. And this is something for us to do as well today. Because when you're baptized, you are baptized into what's called the three munra, or the three offices of Jesus Christ. Now, 99% of Catholics don't know this. You're going to find out something amazing today. When you are baptized, whether you, you realize it or not, whether you remember it or not, you're baptized into the three offices of Jesus Christ Christ, who is priest, prophet, and king. So you're baptized into the priestly office of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm the only one here who shares in the ministerial priesthood of Jesus Christ, but you you still share in the priesthood of Jesus Christ and the fact that you can pray for other people. You can pray for people and you should be praying for people. You also share in the kingly office of Jesus Christ, bringing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of justice and peace and truth and majesty and power into this world we pray in the Our Father, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. And so we share in that kingly, that governing role of Jesus Christ in bringing about an ordered and true and just and charitable society. And then we share in the prophetic office of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people think when they hear the word prophet, they think of somebody who's telling the future. But in the biblical sense, in, in the ecclesiastical or the church sense of the word, being a prophet means proclaiming the kingdom of God. And when you do that, you'll naturally be telling the future because we know it's going to happen in the future as Christians. We know. But being a prophet today, sharing in that prophetic office means evangelizing and telling others about Jesus Christ. Even when people say, even when others say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that here. You shouldn't do it in this group. You shouldn't do it here. We continue to do it like Peter and John and the other Apostles. And it's truly something very important, something which is truly needed today because I tell you, this this county which we're in here, it's just ripe, it's ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. You just have to think about the, the, the problems which people are experiencing in this part of the state, this part of the nation, in this county. People in this county, more than ever, need to hear that message of hope which only the gospel of Christ gives to us. And we need to proclaim it. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people say, well, Father, you know that whole thing about evangelizing? I leave it up to you priests and the bishops. You're the professionals. We'll let you do it. But all of us here who have been baptized, and most of us here have been baptized, we we receive that prophetic office, we share in that prophetic office of Jesus Christ. And so not only do we have the right and the opportunity, but we actually have the responsibility to evangelize. It's something which the church has taught from the very beginning, that all of us have that duty, that responsibility. The, The three recent popes, they've talked about it tremendously as well in what's called the new evangelization. This really came to, uh, came up under John Paul and uh, Pope Benedict XVI, he also talked about, and Pope Francis talks about it too. The new evangelization, which means we're not taking for granted that anybody knows about Jesus. We're proclaiming the gospel to everyone, even Catholics, even Christians, because they may have not, never really encountered the true person of Jesus Christ. In the sacraments, so we evangelize to everybody. Once again, a lot of people say, "Well, Father, it's not really my my cup of tea. I'm not really good at that." And a lot of people they'll they'll actually try to use uh, uh, they'll bring up what they think are church teachings to prove their point. And a lot of people, a lot of people, talk to me about Vatican II. But the vast majority of the people who talk to me about Vatican II and tell me what came out of Vatican II, they've never read any of the 16 documents which came out of Vatican II. Because if they did, they would realize that what they're telling me is not factual. And in some ways it's actually just the opposite of what they're telling me, Vatican II says. And one of the documents, one of the 16 documents of Vatican II talks Specifically, solely about you, the laity, the role of the laity in Holy Mother Church. Your rights, your responsibilities that you have for Holy Mother Church. And one of those responsibilities, perhaps the greatest one, is evangelizing. And it's something that each and every one of us can do by simply telling our story. I like to tell a lot of stories, and all of them are true. And... Um, The ones which are uh, good stories are about something which I witness in somebody else. The bad stories are usually about me, right? So hopefully you're learning from my mistakes. But all the stories I tell are true. And I, I like to tell stories. I learned this from one of my priest mentors. He's this great Irish priest. He's a great storyteller. And it's amazing what you can communicate to somebody in simply telling your story. Simply telling somebody, what has Jesus Christ done for you? How has Jesus Christ, How is this church, how the sacraments helped you? And if we don't know the answer to that, then we have to do some pretty deep soul searching today. If we don't realize what the sacraments have done for us, how they freed us from sin and death, how they alleviate those, us from these burdens, temptation and suffering, we have to really pray and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts to what God has done for us. And then we simply tell that story to somebody else. You know, after all, if something really good happens to you, you tell people about it, right? It's natural. Many of you here, you've told me something amazing which has happened in your life. I think that's great. And I know you're telling other people. But we should also tell people what about the amazing things which God has done in our life. And that's how we evangelize. That's how... We evangelize it's actually very simple to think about it one of my favorite stories and this is completely true 100 percent. i was in fairbanks at fort wainwright and it was a sunday in february and i was assigned to southern lights chapel and Good Shepherd Parish. It's kind of ironic because Southern Lights Chapel is actually two blocks north of Northern Lights Chapel. But we we're at Southern Lights Chapel and it was Sunday in February and there's a tremendous ice storm which swept through Fairbanks which was very unusual. But there was probably an inch of ice on the roads that morning and so somebody called me up and they said, hey father, um, Chaplain so-and-so, who was my supervisor, my direct supervisor, he was an evangelical Protestant chaplain. He said, uh, Chaplain so-and-so posted something on Facebook this morning, said that the church services on post are, are canceled this morning. I said, that's ridiculous. So I called him up, and he said, yeah, it's, it's just too dangerous for people to come in. And so today we're going to do home church. Your, your congregation, your people can do home church. And I said, Catholics don't do home church. I said, we receive the sacraments. We cannot receive the sacraments that we receive at Holy Mass individually at home. So what did I do? I obeyed God and not man. I had Mass that morning. And you know what? Word got out. Word got out that I was having Mass. And one of the people who came to Mass I'd never seen before. This old, rusty, beat-up pickup pulls in the parking lot. I remember this very clearly. Because my boss had canceled the church services, he also told the chaplain assistants, who are normally responsible for clearing the snow and ice from the sidewalks, he told them not to go in. So I was out there with a (laughs) pickaxe, chipping away an inch, maybe two inches of ice off of some of the sidewalks. And this pickup pulls up, this gentleman gets out, he's about my age, his wife and his son get out, and they they come towards me and, he, and this gentleman said, Father, give me that thing. And he, he chipped the rest of the ice off the sidewalk. It probably took him an hour, hour and 15 minutes to do that. And they began, they began coming to Good Shepherd Parish every Sunday then. And I noticed in the first month or two of them coming to the parish, that this gentleman, he was bringing visitors like every other week. He was bringing Catholics from other parishes, which I didn't mind. He was bringing non-practicing Catholics. He was bringing baptized Protestants. He was bringing people who'd never been to church, any church before. And over the course of two years, this gentleman brought more visitors to Good Shepherd Parish than the entire congregation combined. And I'm not exaggerating more than the entire congregation combined and i asked him one day i asked him why he, he wasn't receiving holy communion and he says oh father i'm not i'm not catholic <laughs> he says i've not even been baptized i'm pentecostal i couldn't believe it a man who had not been baptized, who had not received those three offices of Jesus Christ, priest, prophet, and king, who never received the graces of baptism, the courage, the fortitude, the perseverance, the wisdom necessary to proclaim Christ crucified, a Pentecostal was bringing more visitors to Holy Mass than all the other Catholics combined. It's a true story. Just think of what this parish could do if we did what that gentleman did. I would have to add multiple masses and I would not mind one bit. We can proclaim Jesus Christ crucified and the hope that that gives to us. And we, the majority of us here, we have the virtues given to us by God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit receiving them in baptism. And every time we receive a sacrament, we receive the strength and the wisdom necessary to to proclaim Jesus Christ and his gospel. We have the gifts and talents necessary to do it, and it begins with simply telling our story. Tell somebody this week your story, what Jesus Christ has done for you, what he's done for you, your personal story it's important for us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even when our friends, our families, our bosses, whoever, may say, well, this isn't really a good time or an appropriate place to do it. We have to ask ourselves the question, who are we going to obey? God or man? Praise be Jesus Christ.